All right. No count-ins, no metronomes. I think we're okay. So this is a uh, very good. very special live at you with Chris Voitall, my old my old good buddy uh, for Wednesday 8th. Uh, thought it'd be fun to have you on the podcast. Thanks for giving a call and, and recording your side of the conversation. For sure, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. So uh, um, I'm in Arizona, and it's, it's fun to do this long distance. Um, uh, to tell us, uh, first of all, you know, a little bit about how we know each other and uh, where, where you're calling from. For sure, man. Um, wow. We know each, we've known each other for a long time. Uh, it is 2018 right now. I think that we met in potentially like the mid nineties somewhere. Yeah, it was. So um, yeah, I graduated high school in Oh two and we were definitely kicking it my like freshman year through the church youth group. So 98 is, right. is as early so, as okay so late 90s yeah right on yeah so 20 years let's say yeah that's pretty pretty crazy to me you know what it wouldn't surprise me if like cosmically there was something in in the in the air that was maybe like a 20-year anniversary of meeting you and i was like i gotta reach out to chris <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure dude that's like i don't know things things happen like that not not super often for me, but I I definitely find it uh, more often than not when when I'm observing, just kind of like seeing what's going on, things like that happen. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, like way after the fact, but you know. So twenty years ago, I dig it. So yeah, so twenty years ago we met in Ellicott City, um, through church through the Res Youth Resurrection Catholic Church Youth Group. Crazy, and you were. Uh, a couple years younger than me, and I was, I think I may have been dating your sister at the time we met. <laughs> I think that may have happened. That's a te- well, no, I know that happened, but I think that's when we met. Yeah, that's a testament to how good of a guy you are that that we're still buddies. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and uh yeah and so we got involved in that and we like the same music i think that's where we really hit it off uh and we're both getting into playing guitar at the same time i think you may have been playing a little bit longer than i had but um yeah so that was ellicott city maryland nigh on 20 years ago and uh now life has taken me to des moines iowa uh and so here i am hanging out in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, doing my thing. Yeah, it's so. it's crazy where we've ended up. <laughs> right, right, yeah, like thousands of miles apart, and hey. not where we started. Yeah, completely <laughs> so. uprooted. Um, but uh, that's that's all part of the journey. And I think I, you know, I've I've always kind of appreciated that you and I could keep in touch and and commiserate or or relate or celebrate, you know, depending upon the mood or or the day, you know, that sort of uprooting and. And to you know, starting families in foreign lands. Um, yeah. So that that's always been very nice. Um, yeah, for sure, man. I I absolutely agree. Yeah. So my earliest musical memory with you is yeah through through church, a lot of acoustic guitars around, uh, and and everybody was a a semi player of of acoustic guitars. And totally, couple chords. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you knew C's and G's and and D's and A's, you were good to go. And then uh, I I think my first ever live performance in front of anyone other than like my family and my grandma 
was doing Dancing Nancy's with you at uh, one of the, the church retreats. Oh, shit, man. Yeah. I gave the uh, Why Are We Here talk, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so and, so um, somehow we had managed I'm sorry, to work should I in, not curse? Uh, work in a Dave Matthews song into... No, you can curse all you want. That's that's totally cool. Okay, good. Um, yeah, working in a Dave Matthews song into a confirmation retreat. Yeah. But that is, that's a testament a little bit to the universality of his tunes, I would say. True. Jumping jumping around a little bit. True. But yeah. True. I, I, in fact, just today I saw that Dave Matthews performed solo on an NPR Tiny Desk concert. Did, did that come across your radar at all recently? I think he played it in late June. Yeah, I have kind of been seeing that in my, like, when I do a, you know how when you do a search on YouTube these days, like it shows you two things of what you searched once you click on a video, but then it gives you like a queue of a million videos. Yeah. Dave Matthews comes up in that pretty often with his tiny desk concert and I've watched it. So yeah, they do, you know, the algorithm works, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's exactly how I stumbled on it today too. Um, and then also in my sidebar is a bunch of, um, Barbie related, videos because my kids must have been on my youtube for sure watching watching uh for uh, sure i don't know i hear the kids these days will actually watch other kids open toys and then review them um on the internet yeah. which is which is kind of kind of wild like so so you're a dad of young kids like do right are you nervous for the future <laughs> um there is a part of me that is very nervous for the future uh that is both a combination of you know, a relatively above normal level of anxiety that I live with, but also the fact that I have two sons and I have to, you know, I'm, I have, I'm thinking about all of the things that they're going to get into that are going to be recorded and, you know, just taken for granted where it is such a different thing than how I grew up, you know, or we grew up. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, I, that is something that worries me constantly. <laughs> yeah. We, um, it seems to be, you know, the verge of the death of privacy. And if we don't teach our children uh, sort of the value of privacy, they might not ever know it. Um, which, which feels strange to say on a podcast that we'll be sharing with whoever wants to listen to it. Um, but, yep. but, uh, <laughs> you know, like, uh, like I said before the, you know, before we hit record, I was like, you know, we can have firewalls up where we keep certain things private and, you know, that's, that's only natural. But, uh, but yeah, my, my daughter will watch, uh, basically like a, another family on YouTube, you know? And I'm like, Hey, they're, right. this family Just lives right thing. over here. Like come hang out with us, you know? Yeah. And you're it also, is, uh, it's, it's crazy. You're also a sci-fi reader or, or you have been in the past. I, 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 For bo- sure. I borrowed a couple sci-fi books from you and I never quite, you know, got Pat. Yeah. I, I like watching star Wars on, on uh, TV, but, uh, I, I never quite got into voraciously reading sci-fi. Um, like I, I suspect you did, but you know, some of the stuff you must sure. have read about in your high school years is probably coming true. You know, it's like, uh, th- yeah, I figure you might have a, a unique lens to, to sort of anticipate the future or, or have, you know, concerns or, or even optimism about the future because of what you've read. Sure, man. And it's it's yeah, I am still. A, well, I'm less of a voracious reader uh, due to time constraints. Yeah. But um, but uh, 
but yeah, a lot of the stuff that I that I got into then, uh, you know, I credit all those people that let me borrow books and gave me books. I we had good friends of our family that just their son was a little older than me, and he gave me like a ton of books, and like among them were like William Gibson books and uh, Bruce Serling and stuff like that, and it is there are times where it's uncanny when you like reread a passage or, or think about a book that you've read and see it happening. Yeah. It's, it, it's like, it's one of those like, Oh my God, like eyes wide surprise kind of moments. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and like you said, I, there's definitely, it can be both good and bad. You know, it's, there are, there are times where I'm like, Whoa, this is fucked up. Or, whoa, this is actually happening, and I am actually going to get to experience this. Yeah. Um, and so, or my kid, you know, my kids are going to get to experience it. So it's been, um, it's cool to see that, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm so And I, it keeps me reading new authors oh, okay. as well. You know, like, I'll stay up on who's winning a Nebula award, or, like, you know, that's like a sci-fi literary award for original uh, stories or whatever, short, long novels, whatever. Cool. Um, and you just like check into those things every now and again and, and see what's going on. But yeah, it allows you to get into that sort of thing and, and see what's going on, but then also be totally abjectly afraid of what your kids are going to get into in a couple of years. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's a huge pendulum that swings with that. Yeah. Uh, on the one hand, I'm thrilled that I have a you know a computer in my pocket, and and then on the other hand, I'm a little bit nervous about how uh, frequently I check it and and how excited I get when somebody liked my post, right? You know, that's kind of yes. This is that we're the generation where all of this came out right as our minds were like entering young adulthood, and and you know, hundred uh, percent. Yeah. But our kids are what do they call them? Digital natives, right? So they'll never know a world yep. where they didn't have all this stuff. So, you know, I'm like, does it, it? So on one hand, I'm like, doesn't every generation say like, oh, kids these days? Um, and you know, they're they're yeah, old. Man, they're, get off my get off my lawn. Yeah, they're old fuddy duddies. Um, but but on the other hand, I'm like, this feels a little different. <laughs> like, um, sure. You know, our kids gonna have microchips and and uh, embedded uh, you know microphones and speakers and things. Uh, you know, but then but then again, I'm trying to be open minded. I wear contacts and glasses. If I didn't have those technological improvements, my life would suffer. You know, I probably wouldn't be alive. Yeah, and it's it's awesome that we get to do this. Record record our conversation and post it and share our music. Uh, obviously, we'll talk talk a little bit about you know we're both musicians still. Um, uh, <laughs> And uh, also Friday, the uh, Fish is free streaming their concert. So I'll be thrilled to for sure. You know, plug my uh, HDMI cable into my TV and kick back with a beer and, and watch a Fish concert on Friday. Um, Hell yeah! And they all, oh, so one other thing too, like my, when my laptop was getting um, clunky, it was really frustrating. I felt like less of a person because I didn't have all my technology up and running. And I got this new computer, and I was like, oh, I've been reborn how weird of a, sure you know how weird of a statement is that like i did i didn't feel like a, per, a full person until i had my full functionality back on my computer isn't that strange yep yeah it's now an extension of you like it's a mechanical extension of you or whatever 
Yeah. You know, you think of it sometimes as like a tool that you use, but so much so that it is it's the the power to compute and connect over the internet has become so ubiquitous and it's been this way for a long time you know starting when we first got on AOL with our like oh yeah dial up modem and stuff like that <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and we could tell we could tell halfway through the halfway through that tone like pattern if it was going to connect or not and stuff like that yeah totally man yeah my and so now it's like go ahead i was going to say my dad has a few embarrassing stories that i will not share here about uh large bills that i accidentally ran up um one time and also like the phone bills the the phishing scam guys that would uh you know hey we're aol chat support and we need your information and you're a dumb kid and you're like oh here you go you're like, oh, totally, dude. What do you need? Yeah, I uh, I fucked up. Thought that you were being a cool. Times. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting that it's become so ubiquitous now that we have thoughts like we're concerned that like we have we have a computer in our pocket, but we're looking at it and we're like, oh, uh, did I get an email? You know, it's not like waiting for an email to come. It's like, did I get it? Mm-hmm. Did someone like that post that I just made? Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's a crazy fine line to walk i try to separate myself from it when i get home you know after after day job or whatever and uh it's tough sometimes when you have you know work emails coming to your phone and all this other nonsense and uh yeah but then you have these you know this family that you have and i don't know yeah all that other stuff that you can do without it yeah, I think you're you're hitting the nail on the head of of a healthy approach. Is you use it as a tool when appropriate. Uh, set some boundaries around it, and don't forget to be a, a real person in the moment in your body. Yeah, that's definitely true. Let's pivot to uh, music. What are you up to these days? You've got some gigs coming up, uh, some interesting adventures uh, to a, a friend's farm. Um, yeah, to, for sure, man. F- fill me in a little bit on on what you've been up to, um, and kind of sure. how how you how you were able to like start from scratch when you when you moved to uh, uh, Des Moines for sure so I guess currently I am in the midst of like a, a really busy beginning of August and then a little bit of a break and then it kind of um, you know just picks back up in September um, and so I have like I don't know what it was it was like six gigs for for a non touring professional musician person who you know, plays out in bars and does benefits and, you know, writes songs and all that stuff. Six gigs and holds down a day job and a family. Six gigs in that amount of time, in two weeks or whatever, is, is for me, a little bit intense. Yeah, um, it's, a mini, but, it's a mini tour. Yeah, for sure. And so I've been able to, you know, uh, so coming up, uh, bar gig, one of my favorite dive bars in Des Moines on friday then sunday i'm playing a benefit because there was a tornado that that uh rolled through a nearby town called bondurant and uh friends of ours live there we're not affected but have lived there for a long long time Mm -hmm. and so they put together this benefit so i'm doing that in the afternoon then i have a gig uh at another bar out uh east of des moines on sunday evening uh playing like a sunday almost dinner show like six to eight and then next week i'm very excited about i have uh there's a there's another 
the best music in Des Moines happens at the Greenwood Lounge on Ingersoll Avenue. And it is the diviest of dive bars. You walk in there and you smell old beer and mm-hmm. bathroom. And it's like cleaning supply bathroom. So it's just like it hits you and you're like, oh, yeah, Greenwood. Total. And you also <laughs> smell a little a little a little marijuana uh, a little as funk. that happens every now and again. Yeah. And so but so I, I have a standing gig there every couple of months on Tuesday nights because it's super hard to get a gig there. Oh, OK. Um, and I bugged the. The guy who books, who's the bartender, Bill Landis, I bugged him. Laurie and I, when we first moved to town, we were I was looking for live music and where to see it at a bar locally or whatever. And we were literally like five blocks from this place and found it. And it was the Jeff Banks band. And Jeff is an amazing guitar player and a superhuman being. And we didn't know it at the time, but there were other members of his band that play in other bands and it was like this funk rock explosion and we were like oh my god we found it nice because you know we moved here and we were so i moved to des moines about four so yeah i guess jumping around a little bit i moved to des moines about four years ago um with no kids now have kids and all that stuff but no kids and and was looking coming out of a baltimore and ellicott city scene where i hosted an open mic played shows with my band played shows on bills with your band did solo stuff but ended up deciding to to leave that which was a challenge yeah um and so we we found the greenwood so okay back to where i was before about the gig (laughs) um i am playing with a trio for the first time since i've been here uh where i will be fronting that trio playing acoustic and electric guitar Uh um and uh a good good musical buddies of mine now that I've made uh Jeff Stevens and Chris Fordyce uh have agreed to play with me on that um on that night so I am putting together two sets of rock and roll music acoustic and electric where we're playing some of my originals some dropping Sully tunes um and then you know covers that that uh feel good how do they uh, uh, round out the ensemble? Are they uh, bass and drums or, or keys or what's going on? Oh, yeah. I totally didn't say that. Uh, Jeff plays drums and Chris Fordyce plays bass. Awesome. And so it's it's like a potential power trio for uh, for that if you if you want to go that way. You could cover some Green Day. We totally could. Or Blink-182, maybe? <laughs> and so, so, yeah. So I have that on Tuesday. And then... On f- that Friday, I'm traveling out to my college roommate's farm in Barrington, Illinois, which is about 30 minutes outside of Chicago. Um, and Eric is throwing this show, and he asked me to play and MC uh, because it's at his house, his farm. So just and a, a homegrown he- mini festival just because he wanted to put it on. And yeah, he's been talking. So there's there's an artist by the name of Jonah Smith who is kind of the the linchpin of it, I guess. Eric had been talking to him. He played Eric's wedding, um, and Eric got you know used to him or or, or uh, became friendly with him outside of that. Sure. And and so Eric has been kind of been being like, hey man, when are you coming back through, or when are you gonna come through Chicago? Because uh, they I think they met in Brooklyn when Eric was living there. 
so it turns out that he was putting on, you know, he actually is coming off a European tour and is putting on this Midwest, like this run of Midwest dates, which is really kind of crazy because his first date is in Des Moines in a restaurant that is not six or seven blocks from my house. Oh, wow. Which is totally crazy. He wrote a song on his newest album, and I'm going to just look it up here on my phone real quick. Um, I think it's called Stay Close. Yeah, Stay Close, Jonah Smith's album. There's a song called Ocala, um, which was inspired by someone that he met at this restaurant, Flying Mango in Des Moines. Huh. Um, and, uh, yeah, totally crazy. So he's going to be in my neighborhood. I don't have tickets for the show, but I'm going to try and meet him. Yeah, I've, and, I've, and uh, I've jotted down a couple of these names so I can check them out after the fact. Yeah, you should, man. Jonah, um, I first got wind of him in like 04 or 06. He put out, he was he was featured on a Relics Magazine CD sampler um, with a song called Killin' Time. Okay. You got to check that song out. Write that down. <laughs> so yeah, Jonah's playing. I'm playing. Eric's band that he just got into is is playing a short set. And then the other, this like wild card, Eric's been like, yeah, I want to like have this collaborative jam or whatever and do this thing. And my contractor, his electrical contractor, I think, and I'm not sure if it's his electrical contractor or his electrical contractor is the bass player and of this duo. But, but the guy who I'm excited about is his name is Rob Botchnik and he plays uh he plays guitar for the lead guitar for the Frames uh which is Glenn Hansard's band. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar. And uh and he also plays in Glenn's solo band. He just put out a new record last year called Love Evolve. Okay. Which is like the epitome of a solo record if I could ever write one like it has some amazingly cool pop influence, Beatlesy kind of stuff, folky, like worldy stuff. I don't know. I'm really excited to meet the guy. He's worked with Steve Albini in Chicago, like the guy who recorded Nevermind, and uh, and like that sort of. Th- that's where Glenn met him, like 20 years ago, and asked him to be a part of the Frames. Uh, and he's like they open for Neil Young and all this shit. I'm going to try not to fanboy out and like be like, hey, man, you know, when you said love is all you need, you know. I'm yeah, not yeah, that, but, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but it's, it, and I remember this from, you know, being in, being in bands back in Baltimore and, and just being, you know, in the music scene together. Like you have an incredible organic energy for connecting with people and, and getting people connected and, you know, an encyclopedic uh, memory of who did what, when, and, and, you know, keeping track of everybody's artistic contributions to, uh, to the scene in general. It's like, it's, I'm really in awe of it. And it's, it was something that really helped our band when we were doing Luca together, um, was you're you're so, you're so personable, and just just ready to to meet a new person. I'm a little bit more reserved and closed off, um, kind of naturally. I've, I've I've been working on it, and and of course the music scene is where I'm kind of most comfortable, and it and it's easiest to meet people and and kind of branch out because you know we if you love music together, you, you're starting from a common foundation. 
Um, but one hundred percent, yeah, for and like, sure. And the fact that Eric is still playing, like he's he's like a very successful person. He's lived in New York, but he's always made music a part of his life. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. He's he's like a soft spoken, really funny, like like sneaky funny, really warm hearted guy from from all my interactions that is a with him. Great description. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is a. He was my roommate freshman year, second semester freshman year of college. We both. My room, my first roommate flunked out, and his roommate he didn't like that much, and we were next door neighbors, <laughs> and so he just moved next door. Oh, go uh, figure. And we've been connected, and uh, yeah, he's a super good guy, and yeah, like you said, he is a an architect in Chicago for a huge international firm, and makes time for music, whether it's on his own or with uh. He, with his band that he's playing in now or um or, or doing whatever but yeah. we've act- he and i have actually started passing tracks back and forth oh which is that's fantastic fun. and i was gonna say a damn groovy bass player in his own right too okay i used to for sure i used to ride the metro over i was underage i would ride the metro over to see uh, you guys when you were playing in light street groove at catholic university oh I, I man sneak into the bars and you know i would just uh you know I, I, lo- I love re- reflecting on the fact that when you're a kid and you're experiencing stuff for the first time, like that's that's you, the whole world that you know of seeing, a, you know, a local bar band. I was like, holy shit, these guys are, you know, they're great. They're crushing it. They're my friends. You know, they, they play Franklin's Tower, yeah. the Franklin's Tower. And it, it you know, I was like, whoa, who's that song? And then I, you know, kind of got into the Grateful Dead through, you know, through you guys covering that. And, you know, it's like, oh, it's, wow, really? It's incredible. Well, yeah, I mean, that contributed. My sister was a Grateful Dead fan. Sure. And she, she would listen to okay, yeah, yeah, American yeah. Beauty and stuff. And but, um, you know, th- that like energetic uh, kind of, you know, rocking. I think you Light Street Groove used to open with it a fair amount and it would just set the tone for a good mm-hmm. party night. Um, but yeah. Like if you I would love to see some sort of like networked map out of all the funny coincidental ways we're like you know connected and then two degrees of separation apart from from other people and like our map would be pretty big you know we've been messing around with music for 20 years now so you would expect it to be uh you know somewhat sprawling and it it, it certainly oh my gosh yeah yeah definitely i mean i outside college was where i got a taste for it like i i had played a little bit in high school but i you know had an acoustic guitar and went to college and and started to play out my sophomore year or whatever and it was because i learned enough songs to and i knew a bartender like yeah he was like yeah you can come and play and whatever yeah um and yeah i absolutely remember you coming with i forget who it was but you came with a buddy to colonel brooks i believe it was oh yeah we, we would do that too yep and the rat at the rat, like the bar on campus in, in at Catholic, yeah. that happened. Yeah, that's the one I was referring to. Yeah, totally. I remember those days, man. Ooh, well, somewhat remember, you know. <laughs> but um, but I remember more than I forget. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, our our web of of musicians, like yeah, me going to Chicago to play with my college roommate twenty years after we were in college or 20 years after we met, uh, or not 20, not quite 20, but almost 20 years after we met, sure. um, is, is pretty crazy to yeah. me, but it's, it just works and it's all like, yeah, totally. 
this is good. I was going to ask, how are you finding um, sending tracks back and forth? Uh, how, how does that feel? Uh, you know, are you able to make time for it? Does it feel productive? Is it, um, you know, how, how's that going? It's kind of when you feel time for it. Um, we're not, none of us really have deadlines. Like, so I'm doing it with Eric and I'm also doing it with, uh, with uh, Paul Beckwith. Mm-hmm. Um, him and Andy um, actually... Not as much Andy anymore. He is busy with Ellicott City's second flood and, uh, oh, can and you, his family can you and believe stuff like that? that. Dude, how no. how obnoxious is it that it came through and happened again? And But it, but everybody no, kind of knew it, it was going to happen again, right? I mean, it's... Right, right. That's the thing. It, it was like nothing really was changed. There was like some work done, but construction continued. And there was some like culvert work done but not quite enough Mm -hmm. and they were hit less than two years after the thousand year flood right and they're you know and they're back in the same place or you know some people are worse some people got off easier or i don't want to say got off that's a fucking terrible thing to say but like no i I, they came out of it easier yeah yeah so, so yeah, it's, oh man, I, I can't even like grasp how, how that is, but mm. we, you know, you and I spent time there and, and so uh, I don't know, um, a part of my, part of my musical history is from there. And so it's, I, I don't think I can ever like be without that as part of my being. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. I uh, <laughs> one of the risks of being friends with songwriters is sometimes they quote themselves. <laughs> I don't know if you ever do this or if if it's just me. Um, but uh, the, the in my song "Diving In," I say the fiber of experience will shape itself to us. It's like anything you've experienced yeah. becomes a part of you. Um. Yeah, yeah. That's the, I don't do it all that frequently, but that one felt uh, appropriate. So forgive me. No, that's totally cool, man. <laughs> I wish that I did it more, uh, but I don't. Uh, but not just, a, that's that's uh, not a big deal. Yeah, talking to somebody or something happens in life, and I'm like, oh, I, I I've kind of I've put a phrase around that feeling or that idea. Or, yeah, you know, like, yeah. Th- this is how I said it in one of my songs. Yeah. It's funny. I yeah, when, whenever I sure. whenever I do it around my wife, I'm like, "Hey, some asshole said the fiber of experience." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, try to not take it too seriously. Yeah. So with the emailing tracks back and forth, I, I I imagine that that's kind of a cool way to kind of get out of yourself. Um, you know, you're not just working off of your own. You know, these are the, the yes the couple chords that I know on the piano or or a couple riffs that I like on the guitar. You know, you can kind of get yep into a box. So it might it must be neat to kind of pass some tracks back and forth and let that be your guide. It is. There's like two ways that I've done it, and one is like where I put something together and say like just build around this, you know, and so like I'll write a song and I'll have you know a rhythm part that I'm confident about and whatever. And so that's like my intent uh, 50% of the time or 60% of the time where I'm just like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Can you make it sound, can you fill it out with your vibe? Sure. Or, you know, can you put your words or, or whatever around what I'm trying to do? Um, but lately it's been a bit more, it's gotten to a point where it's a bit more collaborative. 
And so we use it as a sketching tool because we can't sit down in the same room. Right. You know, because they're in Ellicott City or Chicago or wherever. And um, and so I will put something out and I'll record two verses and a chorus and, you know, a jam or something that I think on an acoustic guitar. And I'll be like, let me know what you think. And we've gone back and forth um, with that with that first structure and recorded back and forth and been like, Hey, why don't we try this? Or mm-hmm. I've actually done it this way. And so I'm going to try it. You know, I'm not going to increase the tempo here. I'm going to do whatever. It's been a cool, really cool experience because I haven't found anyone here that I collaborate with mm-hmm. on songwriting yet to be able to collaborate over distance um, with, with people that I, that I love and respect in, in Ellicott city and, and in, uh, in just outside of Chicago, but mostly Ellicott city, like Paul and I really do it. Eric and I have done it a number of times. Like Mm -hmm. I'll pass him a song. That's where like, uh, to use a fish analogy, that's the type a recording. Right. (laughs) And and then the the, the non, the non deviation from the structure of the song jam. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly it. I'll translate for anybody. That's not a fish fan out there. The type a, Yeah, totally. And and then the the second type is more of the type B jam or the type 2 jam, whatever it is. Uh where where we're where we have something, but we're willing to just leave it be and take it elsewhere and and see where what it becomes. Um and you know, it's not like a live improvisational jam whatever but 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 from the get-go there's an expectation that it's it's not solid it's supposed to be fluid it's it's moldable it's like hey wherever this you know wherever this leads you wherever you want to take it next feel free to propose that and and maybe that'll be what it it turns into if nothing else it's just a great excuse to keep in touch you know like uh, i'm i'm always tinkering around on the home studio and while i haven't um you know quite embraced a a lot of long distance collaboration i i always love sending my little demos out to you know my kind of core group of uh, buddy musicians and just saying hey this is what i'm up to you know what do you think you know could i do something better here or you know is is the vibe right or you know just kind of yeah how sure how's the mix coming along lately i've been kind of trying to work on mixing and eventually mastering I'll, I'll, I'll dabble with mastering as well but just trying to get a handle of home recording uh which which you do some of as well obviously so that you can right. send, send tracks back and forth do you um you know do, do you have any sort of you know projects in the works right now How, when do you find time to do it do you give yourselves yourself any deadlines or are you disciplined about it or is it just inspiration and and uh you know and and run it's been like a whole bag of everything there's been times where I've been like, I need to get down into my basement and, you know, record this right now. Not right now, but consistently. I need to sit down and, like, work on recording mm-hmm. um, and work on playing to a click and work on uh, arranging this song in a different way or whatever. And then there's other times where I'm like, I know I have it set up downstairs I was playing my guitar that I have on the wall upstairs. Something came to me. Uh, come on down, Charlie, and let's hang out. And, like, mm-hmm. I'll just record a riff or something like that just so I know I have it, you know? Yeah, get get, get your uh, son babbling in the background on some, uh, on some recordings for some ambiance. Totally. Totally, yeah. And so 
so it's been a it's 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 like I can never get I'm not I'm not super consistent about it I guess is the best way to put it mm-hmm. like when I when I get hit with a fit of inspiration like I will sit down and write out words or or work on a progression or whatever and actually we were just uh we just took a vacation to Colorado we were in Fraser just north of Winter Park nice and um and I we drove out with two kids that are very young and it was a challenge but that's another story for another time <laughs> but um but I I brought my guitar like I was like I'm bringing my guitar it was a family vacation so we had people to watch people to you know help us with the kids and all that stuff and um and there was a time where like the kids and and adults went out and i got to hang out with my brother-in-law who was uh recovering from a like a a heart surgery thing so Mm. he was like on oxygen while we were there and hanging out but he's a super nice guy and so we just hung out at this huge house and uh and i was like okay chris you have 30 minutes right now to write two parts to a song go oh okay made a little challenge for yourself yeah totally and i just was like all right i'm ready to do this and i came up with something and i'm now like working on it uh in my in you know now i'm home and i have the constraints of time from other things but i am i'm now working on that something so it's it's yeah it so varies i wish that i could just be consistent and be like all right cool let's go down like sit down for like 30 minutes we're gonna work on this we're gonna record a lead guitar track here record a little mandolin there and uh revise this verse right. i am not that i wish that i was that way but i am not yeah um, so and part of the reason i ask is is one of the things that i've been um you know, I'll say struggling with, but that maybe is too strong of a word is, is striking that balance. You know, we're both family men and it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a priority to us to be involved in our families and making sure that we're, you know, um, uh, enjoying and loving that aspect of life. But we also have this creative itch that we, you know, if we don't scratch it, uh, you know, speaking for myself, you know, I, I would get a little, um, you know, persnickety. I'd, I'd probably get a little res- sure. resentful if if I never got to work mm-hmm. on music. It's it's a wonderful outlet for me, a source of joy, uh, a source of community, like we've been talking about. Um, yeah, but exactly. I'm like, you know, it's it's funny for me. I will be inspired by something, and then if I start working on that song, you might find me five hours later still tweaking that second verse. You know, it's like I can really go down the rabbit hole. And there's Absolutely. Ta- there's times where I've got the bandwidth and, you know, the maybe my wife took the kids to the pool and it's like, hey, that's your free time. Do with it what you want. And it's all good. But there's other times where my kids are pulling on my shorts saying, like, we're hungry. And I'm like, just a second, just a second. I need to make a voice memo in my phone of this chorus idea before <laughs> I before I forget it. And I feel like a bad dad, you know, so it's like on, on the one hand, I'm like, uh, the, I feel like you could achieve balance by either being rigidly disciplined and saying like, hey, you know, I wake up early, I get, I go to the gym, I come home, I, uh, you know, my kids do X, Y, or Z, and then from 10 to 1 p.m. on a Saturday, that's my time to, to do this, and then the rest of the week, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Or 
you be completely go with the flow and you go, Hey, you know what? Like everybody in the house is napping except for me. I'm going to go mm-hmm. sneak, sneak away and work on some music. But you know, then you yeah, can, man. you can get interrupted, you know, quote unquote interrupted when, uh, you know, you're sure. in the, in the middle of trying to perfect that bridge of a song and, uh, you know, the, the, the kids wake up or, you know, the wife needs you to go shopping or whatever it is, you know, the million things that make life worth living anyway, you know, art would be yep. stupid without the rest of life. But, um, but yeah, I find that those are two kind of, um, approaches to balance. I lean towards the go with the flow approach. Um, and I'm wondering, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if it would be more beneficial to be more rigid about it, but then, but then it's like, whose rules are you in enfor- you're enforcing your own rules. It's like, you know, your wife right. is like, Hey, I know you have uh, music time at 11 AM on Saturday, but you know, my girlfriend <laughs> asked me to, to go get the nails or go get our nails done. You know, I'm not going to be like, no, you can't do that. This is my time. You know, it's like, right. that's not this the is kind my of time. Yeah. Sorry. So I don't know. It's just, that that's something that I've been really thinking about a lot. And, uh, um, just trying to make sure that I, I do an okay job at keeping the balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a challenge. It is always a challenge to find a balance in that regard at home for me. Um, it's not a challenge that I am not up to, but uh, it is it is definitely something that, you know, you get home from from the day job and you have a two year old and a three month old and you you know, and, and a wife who's been home with them all day. And so, okay, cool. So I've, so personally right now in my life, I find myself after 9 PM central standard time, (laughs) you know, finding that time more often than anything, than any other time. Sure. Um, which is why we get to do this right now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, I'm with you, man. It is a, it is a tough thing to balance and, and it's always, you know, you're always adapting to something. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I think that I'm with you that I find that the go with the flow approach to it is, is the easiest at this stage in my life. Right. And also I think the concept of balance is like, it's kind of a flawed concept in and of itself. Like if you're constantly on the middle of the seesaw, you know, you're not going to have any ups or downs. So sometimes it's right. it's appropriate to play whatever it is six gigs in in a week or two weeks, um, and then and yeah, then yeah, and then go sure. hey you know what that was really fun really productive, you know I got to put some good vibes out into the universe but now I need a little downtime and then it, and then you kind of let the pendulum swing back so it's probably not something that needs to be solved you know but it's something that is yeah you're, you're kind of like a a bowling ball bouncing back and forth between the gutters. Uh, if you, if you have those little inflatable things in the gutters to keep it from going, you know, the, yeah, totally for, man. The bumpers. For, yeah. Yeah. The bumpers for sixth grade birthday parties. Um, yeah, you, you can tell we're dads. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. So, uh, anything else going on that you wanted to promote or talk about? Like I, I am, I'm, uh, um, the, the floor is yours. Sure, man. Uh, so I am, finally at a point here in Des Moines personally I guess just personally in my personal musical life uh where I feel that I've met enough people and know enough people and met enough club owners and people that book and all that stuff where I can find a gig if I if I really want one and I don't have one Mm -hmm. but I also have been able to start to find people 
to play with that I want to play with, right? That want to play with me. Right. So that's been, you know, four years coming. Uh, when I first got here, I stopped playing music. Like, I got here and didn't play music out for six months. That's the longest time I hadn't played music since I maybe started playing music back when I was a sophomore in high school in 1997. Right. Uh, um, so it's, you know, music, I'm sure for both of us, is a, is like a huge part of our, like, psyche and what we think about. But, um, but I've finally gotten to a point here, I believe, where I can ask people to play a show with me, you know, and be like, Hey, at the Greenwood, it's crazy at the Greenwood, you get paid tips only. The bartender seeds the jar a little bit, Mm. but there's just a big white bowl in front of you while you play. And, and honestly, I've never walked out with there, even on a solo show with less than a hundred dollars. Supportive. And go ahead. I was going to say it's a supportive and kind of, uh, you know, uh, invested crowd and making sure that they support the arts. Absolutely. That's like one of the things about the Greenwood. The best thing about the Greenwood, I think, is that the crowd allows you to be you and experiment and do these things. And like, so I'm going in on a Tuesday night where he booked me as a solo gig, but before me on Monday night, there's a band playing. That's like a pickup band that has these, crazy good players Mm -hmm. and on wednesday night it's another acoustic guy who does his thing and then thursdays are always the soul searchers and they're playing whatever they're playing uh like blues like straight blues and then friday and saturday are usually just bands that pack this place i'm talking like you can't walk into this place cash only bar you can't walk in it is like in the winter, it gets hot in there. Let's put it that way. Sounds and fun. there are cold winters here in Des Moines. So being able to be part of that scene, like I know I could go to any number of places in Des Moines on any given night at this point and, and just be like, hey, I know you. You're playing or I'm here to support my buddy that's playing. So that's kind of cool. So with that in mind, I have been writing and demoing here in my, what I like to call a studio, but Mm -hmm. who knows, a number of acoustic songs uh, that I have wanted to get out that I haven't been playing out really. Okay. I'll play them, you know, I'll like put one in my set somewhere, like deep in a three set bar show or whatever. Um, But... I'm going to be bringing in Jeff who plays, who's going to play bass or who's going to play drums, excuse me, with me on Sunday or Tuesday. Jesus, I have a lot of gigs and so I'm getting all crossed (laughs) up, but um, he's going to play drums on Tuesday and Chris, who's going to play bass on Tuesday. I'm going to bring those guys in and get a couple other dudes that I know here um, to just come in and record a couple tracks. Just be like, Hey, I want to do five songs. Here they are. Here's six of them. What do you want to do? You know, and just have them do their thing. And then there's two places that I want to go. I want to take, there's a a recording studio called the Sonic Factory, which is a mile from my house. 
and they are one of like the best spots here in Des Moines of the probably three or four spots that I've been to. Um, and they're just super good dudes. And I'd like to get in there with some stems from what I'm doing. Okay. Um, I'd, I'd like to, because they'll do that. They'll sit and mix it and master it with you. Um, this guy, John Locker is the guy who is the head engineer and owns it. He's a fantastic musician, bass player mostly, but, um, and then the other thing is that I, that I have a couple tunes of those tunes that I'm working on with Paul Beckwith. Awesome. And so I want to get the, I want to get him to do, to, to mix those as well. So I, I don't quite have enough for a full album or two EPs or what it is right now, but I have an album or what I'm more thinking is that it's going to be like a six song EP Okay. that I'm going to record, finish recording. It's in the works right now. Um, and then I, what I really love, like recording is something that I'm getting used to, but loving, you know, playing live Okay. and playing, playing with, with guys that are of the same mind musically that you can just listen to each other and play off. And like, you're not like, you missed that change, Johnny Wrong Notes. Let's <laughs> Johnny, let's not do that again. Johnny Wrong Notes. Oh yeah, we've we've uh, hopefully matured as musicians past that. Yeah, yep. I hope so. I think we have. I have, but um, you know, plug for Victor Wooten's book. Uh, damn it, what is that book called? Bass player for the Flectones. Yeah, bass player for the Flectones. He wrote a book called. I can't think of it right now. Oh man, it's been a while. But there are no wrong notes. There just aren't. Mm. If you you know. So but whatever. That that goes that goes whatever. So I'm just trying to um record that thing and, and then I wanna put together a show with a couple bands here in like I would say late October, November, uh, before it happens, that I can get some guys that I played with I used to play in a band called Bowling Green Massacre, which was political rock, I guess okay. is the best way to put it. Right. I, I remember um, kind of keeping tabs on that, and uh, you were sending me some some of the recordings that you guys had from rehearsals and shows and stuff. It was, a, it was an interesting little group. Yeah, it was. It was an interesting group. Uh, we disbanded at the beginning of the year, beginning of 2018, um, for whatever reasons, creative reasons, I guess, is the best way to put it. But, um, but I... But, those the people that played in that band, some of the people that played in that band are um, are still good friends and musical, good, musically very talented folks that play in other bands, and I'd like to get them involved in that show with their bands, you know, because playing three hours by yourself is fun, totally, but it gets kind of lonely and and it's yeah. I always find it's 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 a little bit more fun if nobody's worried about making shitloads of money like why yeah. not play a gig together yeah yeah some of my favorite memories of back back in baltimore were, were you know homegrown shows where it was like you you know you you finally got your toe in the door at, at uh the you know the cool club in town um for for us it was the eight by ten um yeah yeah love that place so you you know you you fucking you get your toe in the door there and then you know you you book a night and they you say hey i've got some friends in some other bands can they open up and you end up taking over the whole bill and and the whole night yeah yeah those are those are yeah, some, of, some of my favorite memories and 
um, you know, some of my proudest experiences was, you know, you kind of take that moment if, if you, if you can, you, you kind of take that deep breath and you soak it in and you go, wow, like all this came together because of me and my friends putting this on. Like that's, that's a really cool vibe. Yep. And, and if, if, you know, if nobody did it, it would be a boring world, huh? <laughs> yeah. That is, that is a, uh, like putting it mildly, man. Like yeah. some of those experiences at the eight by 10 and, uh, man, where do we, we played the Metro gallery with you guys one time, I think. Yeah. Uh, with tillers and like those shows, like we made no money or like just enough to do whatever. Like those were so fun. Pay for your gas and, and maybe a subway sandwich before the show. Right. Totally. Or like pay for like 15 minutes of recording time in your band fund, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, those, the, those times I'm with you, man. That's like, uh, those are some of the best. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I want to do here and that's what I'm trying to make work there's there's such a vibrant music scene here in Des Moines which I am I I am very uh thankful to call myself a part of now um that you know like I said I could go down downtown on any night of the week most Sundays might be tough but any night of the week and just find some member of the community that I know or whatever. And that was what I strove for in Ellicott city with open mics and stuff like that, trying to get different people together to listen to each other and to just play music and be there with each other and support each other. Right. That I'm, I'm at that point here where that was already here and now I'm a part of it and people will do that for me and I will do that for them. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty amazing. The, 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 I've only met a few folks in the Phoenix music scene, but everybody has been super friendly and really cool. And man, maybe that's just part of the, the beauty of, of music is, is that we are typically, you know, pretty, pretty chill people. Um, I've got a, a question for you. Does, does anybody use like, um, like, uh, pre-sampled beats? You don't have to call anybody out, but I'm just kind of curious what your opinion is on, you know, using, um, pre-recordings as part of a live show do do have you been doing that at all um you've been you you, you I have mess, not. you mess around with the looper a little bit um as i do i do and that was yep. even sort of a, a reluctant implementation for me into the pedal board i kind of resisted it as long as i could but then those three hour gigs uh, not only are they a little lonely but you know there's only so much you can do um yeah over the course yeah, of you can play hours. a lot of folk songs but like, yeah it gets um, that gets a little boring to be honest as a yeah. musician but yeah there's um sampled beats there is um i play i i a gentleman here uh by the name of james bean invited me to play a show with him uh to be his second guitarist uh i want to say the year after i moved in um and it was great i enjoyed it we opened for a band um that had like a a DJ as part of their setup. Okay. And they they had a live drummer and J and they had a live bass player and a live and and James who I was playing with who opened played guitar and, and but they had sampled tracks that everybody needed in their monitors, you know, like and that sort of thing and the drummer was wearing headphones. So I guess 
and my experience at the show, because I had just come off this big, like, a big stage in Des Moines, and I was like, whoa, this was awesome, very cool, and I was, you know, riding that that adrenaline rush or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mind it as much, and knowing that the guys that she had, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say, it was a, a woman by the name of Bonnie Finken. If you get a chance, check her out. She is an amazing singer and performer, and she has a killer band wherever she goes. Okay. Um, from is, from Des Moines. I think she's living in Nashville now. The so. sound of my pen. I'm clicking it to write down Bonnie Finken. Yeah, totally. B-O-N-N-E, Finken, F-I-N-K-E-N. Cool. Um, she, and she's so nice. She's just such a nice person. But she had like what we would call canned tracks, right? Yeah. Um, and, and they were just an integral part of her performance. Yeah. So I wasn't put off by it even a little bit. Okay. I have, I have been put off by it in some instances, but if it's used tastefully and well done, you know, if the musicians around it are good, like if it was just her and a DJ, I would be like, you're just singing karaoke. (laughs) <laughs> but exactly but but right. it was her and a live band and a dj who was like setting off like sample tracks and stuff sure. like that okay and so it so it became a it became a you know an integral part of what was happening and you know it 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 facilitated the groove i guess is sure a, is what i'll say yeah i think i'm a, i'm a little bit um uh snobby coming from my my affinity for jam rock and uh, sort of rootsy uh, organic music, you know, Fish yeah. and Umphreys McGee and stuff. And, For um, sure, although, man. Although yeah, Umphreys, totally. Umphreys will come out to a pre-recorded track, and then they pick up their instruments and start jamming along with the track, and then the track dies, and then the band is just into their live show. A uh, very cool way to open a show, but you know, I give them a pass for it because it's this cool art, you know, artistic, tasty way to implement it. So yeah, I think you've got the right the right attitude about it. I I get a little bit curmudgeonly, sure. um, and it kind of <laughs> it, it stems from my experience at um, the McDowell Mountain Music Fest. Uh, me and a buddy went over there, and the only day that he could go um, was they kind of split up the the fest. Uh, like Friday night was more rock and roll, Saturday was more okay. kind of like you know pop and electronica. And we happened to go yeah. on the pop and electronica night. And I was like, never have I seen so many people on stage pushing play. You know, I was like, it, 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 <laughs> yeah, it, like it didn't. So and part of this is this is where I really start getting uh, like kind of conspiracy theorist with it. I'm like that that to me is a, it's a symptom of the degeneration of integrity and truth and honesty and experience it's like we we it's okay to fake you out and make you think that there's more instruments here and and more things happening with this music than we can actually produce as musicians playing and singing um and that's okay you know i'm like whoa it's a slippery slope into like you know everything's a simulation man um but (laughs) yeah i i kind of just i bring it up um you know, kind of tongue in cheek, because I know that there are good ways to implement it, but uh, it, it turned me off. Yeah, for weekend. sure. For sure. Dude, I used to have I'm the guy who has a sticker on my uh, on my first acoustic guitar case that said, uh, fuck, what did it say? It said, hold on, I have to get up from where I am. I'll be right <laughs> back to tell you what it says. Oh, fantastic. 
That's it. Uh, says it says one second. One second. Hold on. You gotta love the stickers on the acoustic guitar case. I definitely did that with my like old rickety cardboard acoustic case that came with my first Yamaha acoustic guitar, for sure. Kelly Bell Band stickers, Pat McGee stickers, WHFS, the rock station from back in Baltimore, WTMD. Yeah, I got a bridge sticker on there, a Howie Day sticker. I'm like visually, oh, man. I'm visually just remembering all this stuff. I think I had a Flectone sticker on there. I so it says so it says drum drum machines have no soul, and it was <laughs> I got it at a bluegrass shop, and so I love it. Oh, yeah. I should get that tattooed on me somewhere. <laughs> I don't I don't have any tattoos. I don't know why that that came to mind. <laughs> I've been thinking about getting a tattoo. Yeah, but I don't know. I think that's one of those things things where if you're on the fence, then you probably shouldn't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. (laughs) But then I don't know. You only, you only live once, right? Um, Nobody needs your body. We're only here for a cosmic, cosmic fucking, not even a blink of an eye. Yeah. And nobody needs your skin to be clean. Right. I mean, no, no. If if you want to have something on there, go for it. Me, me and my wife sometimes talk about getting some sort of matching tattoos. Um, mm-hmm. Make it like a romantic thing. Um, and uh, and then I've, I've had... S- I joke with her that my silly, stupid idea for a tattoo is to get um, on the, you know around my nipples, have angel wings around one and devil wings around the other. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. And she's I like, like, it. Pl- she's I like, like it. please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, okay, I know it's your podcast, but I got to ask you for one album recommendation that you can give me before we close this thing out this oh, evening. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, I'm uh, So I'm funny, as much as I love music, I listen to a lot of the same stuff um, over and over again, or lately I've been listening to um, streams of, of Fish's Tour. Um, but let me go into Spotify real quick and see what else I've been spinning do recently. It. Um, so one of the things I'll do is I'll get on Spotify and, um, just kind of let one of the radio stations that, that automatically generates based on my playlist play. And then I'll find songs that I like and add them to, um, you know, add them back into the playlist. And then also a group of my, a group of my friends put together, um, a nice summer playlist. Oh, hold on. Uh, let me find one. I've got one in mind. My buddy Russ added it to, you know, Russ, big Russ. He added it to our, our playlist. Los Colones, like L O S C O L O G N E S. If you search for the song, Molly be good. Uh, the album is called the wave and I think you'll dig it. So that's my recommendation for you. Okay, right on. There's one other two. Hold on. No, no, I'm looking. My buddy Dinesh was recommending a group with, I think they had VHS in their title. Oh, yeah, VHS Collection. Check that out, too. My buddy Dinesh turned me onto them. So, you know, right and on. This, this is a kind of a perfect way to maybe wrap up a little bit is uh, it, it, we're circling back to personal recommendations versus algorithms. Totally. Now, I, I do appreciate the Spotify algorithms that are playing me new songs based on the songs that I've already liked and then discovering new bands. So that's one avenue. But 
there's something really cool and something to be said about following up on people's personal recommendations. Um, so anytime mm -hmm. you, you know, you're really good about shooting me a text sometimes and going, Hey, check these guys out. Um, so keep them coming. You know, I like reading books that I can go back to a person and say, Hey, this is what I thought about it or listening to an album and going back to the person that recommended it and saying here, hey, you know, what do you think about this? So this song jumped out at me or how'd they get this crazy yeah. effect on this track? And you know, that, that to me is so much more rewarding than going YouTube wants me to watch this next. You know, it's a, it's another <laughs> yeah. video. It's another video about how to add uh, yardage to your drive. Um, you know, on the golf totally. course or, uh, totally. or, you know, uh, guitar tutorials or kids opening Barbie packages. That's, uh, mm. that's uh, yeah. so that's still, that still kind of boggles my mind, but I guess that I've seen things on like blogs that I read about people like unboxing an iPhone or like some shit like that. So that doesn't, it's not too far off from something. It's not like so far out of the ordinary, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So are you ready for my recommendations? Garrett? Yeah. Yeah. I hold on. All let right. me click. Let me click my pen. There we Flick go. your pen. Nice. Um, so the first one is uh, Jonathan Wilson. Um, he is a producer, songwriter, out of like the Laurel Canyon area, right? So like he used to put on jam sessions and stuff like that at his place that Jackson Brown would go to and also the guys from Dawes would go to. Like okay. that sort of dude. Um, he put out a record last year called Rare Birds, and it is he's also he's also right now Roger Waters touring guitar player. So he's pretty badass. I as imagine a, as so. a musician. Um, but he put out this album Rare Birds, which is really cool. Uh, just. Go on a drive and put on the first the first track of that of that record. Uh, it's called Trafalgar Square, I think it is, um, and really just just fucking dig it. Nice, like, and just di it's it's got like I don't know, man. I don't want to taint it for you. Just just like put it on and you got to listen to it front to back. So if you're driving somewhere a long ways away or like you have some time, just do it. Um, I love it. And then I have. My second, my second recommendation for you is Reed Janauer of Assembly of Dust and Strange Folk, right? Yeah. He just, he just did this whole Kickstarter thing called, um, it was, a, the campaign was called Conspire to Smile, right? Okay. I like it. So the vibe is that in our world right now. Um, we have a choice, right? We make a choice every day to, to be upset or to be angry or to be happy or to be sad or all that stuff, you know, depending on our circumstances and all that, whatever. Um, and so his whole idea was like to spread like a positive seed into, to put a positive musical seed out into people's worlds and minds and things like that. And so he, he recorded this album called Conspire to Smile. Um, and he recorded it with like a ton of different artists, all from like the San Francisco Bay Area, except for Strange Folk, which was the band that he used to be in. Um, and it's a bunch of covers and two originals that he did. Um, and I'll send you a link for it. 
and and maybe you can post a link for it in your in on your website or whatever with the with the uh, thing. But it's free. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a, yeah, it's a free download for for like twelve tracks or something like that. But it's it's conspired a smile, and it's like just upbeat music, really good vibes, good musicians, uh, and I find myself turning off NPR in the morning on my way to work and listening to that instead more often than not these days mm. uh, to start my day on a more positive note than uh, than what did our uh, what did our president do or or some other shit uh so yeah you know what's funny i I, i've been thinking about this too like what's the right level of informed to be and you know is it important to pay you know how how much attention to pay where do you get your news from Mm. um Mm -hmm. and then you know i i kind of i read this guy uh, jordan b peterson's book it's called the 12 rules of life or, or for life um uh, it's kind of like the subtitles like dealing with chaos or something like that or an antidote to chaos and it's mm-hmm. it's a i mean you could call it a self-help book um but this guy's a very very well thought out articulate dude who's done his reading um he's a little bit hung up on the atrocities of um like communist russia and china and um you know some of the uh, atrocities that have happened in the 19th century um, or sure. the, tw- the 20th century. I always get that confused, which decade that refers we to. Are um, 20th. We're in yeah. the 21st. So yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Uh, but anyway, he, he talks about, he makes a very compelling argument and it's, it's got a religious slant to it as well that, you know, if every individual, um, addresses their demons in an honest way and can, can still find reason to continue to strive to be better, and aim towards heaven for yourself that is really the the most productive and the most realistic way to try to bring you know peace and, and prosperity and productivity to to life so sure i you know the, i think about that in terms of um you know it, it does does chris does chris or garrett need to listen to npr on the way to work maybe maybe it's helpful but like does that affect how i'm doing at my job or or do i need to you know strive to be the best person i can be within my within my village and not i'm not saying be selfish and completely shut off the outside world but like within your domain speak your truth be as courageous and and have as much integrity as possible within your sphere and and then it's Mm -hmm. a leap of faith that the people that are responsible for really important stuff are also trying their best to, to, you know, work with integrity. And, you know, the, the guy will be a whistleblower if he has to be, if he sees corruption. But it, if I'm not seeing corruption in my little village and my little piece of the world, um, that's, that's great. And why shouldn't I get to enjoy the peace that that brings me? Um, rather right. than right. Get, yeah. get, getting upset about problems that are, are kind of <laughs> above my pay grade, you know, like I, sure, I'm, yeah. I'm okay yeah, out with of your my reach, man. I'm okay with my role of, uh, you know, hunkering down the day job and, and keeping the, you know, keep making sure the bills get paid and then trying to sp- spread a little love and joy through music and, and get people to kind of scratch their heads and think about something to a catchy beat. You know, that's, that's a pretty good life. Yep. Uh, and if, and if we're yep. not allowed to find peace within our own, um, attempts at living a good life then then that's a really sad idea so yeah i mean there's this notion of if you're not mad you're not paying attention 
And I don't, I don't sure. know if, I don't know if I really like that. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, man. I spent, uh, I am a hundred percent with you. I spent a year playing, uh, getting back to music, playing with the Bowling Green Massacre and, uh, the guy who was writing songs, nice guy, intelligent guy, like, and that's, that's an allusion to Kelly, Ke- Kellyanne Conway, who was, uh, you know, the communications for the white house, uh, with president Trump, you know, right. She had some sort of snafu or faux pas where she, where she said something about a bowling right. green massacre that yes, yes. Didn't that actually, actually didn't happen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I was like, right. thoughts and prayers and w- go out to the, the families of bowling green for the bowling green massacre. Right. And it was just like, and it was how, like, how are they this far off? Yeah. So yeah, the, yeah. the whole band so, was motivated by this, you know, reaction to our current administration. Exactly. And it was a, it was a, uh, it was a anger filled reaction, you know, um, that was like, how could you be so stupid? And how could you, I mean, there is a lot, there's a lot for us. Uh, and I, excuse me, there's a lot for me, uh, as a person to be angry and upset about, but like you were saying, you have to choose to do that. And is it above my pay grade to like, uh, I am enraged about so many things that are going on right now. Mm -hmm. Like it hands down. I am, I am like bursting at the seams enraged about things, but for me to be a good person in my life day to day, uh, I don't know that carrying that anger with me is worth it. Mm. Um, and I, like I said, like I was, I was saying that I spent a year playing with this band writing and like fleshing out these songs, these like little vignettes of like the crazy stuff that had gone on. Like one was written about, uh, there was a song that we wrote called Hey Arnie. And it was, it was, it was about the national prayer breakfast right after our president, our current president got elected. And he's, he was talking about like ratings and like all this other stuff. And it was like, it is, it was like super topical. So Mm. top. I'd never written or been a part of anything that was so topical, but it, um, so it was, it was um, at that point, it was like, I was feeding on that. I was like, yes, I am upset about this. And I want to get out and tell people about it because I want to help you feel like part of the resistance. Right. Right. But and I don't feel less a part of that. Um, you know, I've been to demonstrations at the Capitol here in Des Moines. Uh, you know, the March for Life, uh, not for life, not the pro-abortion or pro-pro-life thing. The March for Our Lives, I believe it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, for guns after the after the shooting in Florida, um, and and other things like I work right a right. My day job is blocks from the Capitol. And so I am intimately aware of what goes on there and the people that are there and all that stuff. But in my day to day, I can't, I've, I've gotten to a point where I can't let that be my normal. Like I got to think about my family and my community locally and know that I am going to do what I can to help change and everything like that and make change and vote and get out and talk to people about my truth and everyone else's truth of the the things that I believe, but 
there's another part of me that's like, you got to find Like you're saying, you got to find some personal peace in that. Mm. Like before you can just go and be angry all the time. I can't be angry all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that would just make us victims of our time and, and that wouldn't serve right. ourse- ourselves or our loved ones at all. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, f- yeah. F- fight, fight when it matters, and and when you can, and w- when it actually makes a difference. But otherwise, yeah, we we cannot be fueled by anger all the time. Anger leads to the yeah. dark side, man. We we know that. F- fucking right, Garrett. Or, or no, anger that leads to exactly. fear, and fear leads. No wait, fear, fear leads, leads to, to anger. <laughs> fear leads to hate, anger, and and Where, where's Yoda suffering. when you need him? <laughs> Yeah, suffering, man. You, suffering leads to the dark side. Uh, uh. well uh well hey man i think we got to wrap it up um cool but, uh, this was super fun thanks for doing this with me and uh yeah we'll we'll have to circle back up again and and you know swap more notes about our musical adventures because uh you know for it's, sure it's fun to kind of have this little audio diary of of where we're at in this moment i completely agree man thank you for thank you for turning me on to this idea and and, and inviting me to to do this i appreciate it yeah hey good luck with uh, with all these gigs coming up thanks brother thanks and yeah i i feel terrible now (laughs) at the end of it i'm like i didn't even ask you about what you're doing what's going on oh no don't don't worry about me man (laughs) we're 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 good we'll we'll circle back up uh you know we'll, we'll have a few adventures and then we'll do this again sometime Sounds good, brother. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, keep well. All right. Peace, man. Peace.